Welcome to Inside Whitehall with me, James Starkey. And me, Jonathan Gullis. Thank you for tuning in to Inside Whitehall. Today we're looking at something of a Whitehall institution. While very much new in Westminster terms, Playbook has fast become a staple of UK politics, providing those who work in and around Westminster with a rundown of what to expect from the day ahead, as well as who's been spotted at what party. Perhaps more on that later. But we have the perfect guest to cover Playbook with Eleni Career. Thank you so much for joining us, Eleni. Thanks for having me. Uh, Eleni started in the lobby in autumn of 2018. Her first full-time job in the lobby was as a political reporter for The Times, focusing particularly on Labour, and for the past two years has been writing Playbook, covering the late Boris period, the Tory leadership contest of uh, 2022, the rise and fall of Liz Truss, sorry Jonathan, and Rishi's <laughs> first year in power. So just the three Prime Ministers then. Uh, her first ever job in journalism was in autumn 2016 at trade magazine Research Fortnight, reporting on science policy in London and other European capitals. But first, congratulations, Alini, because you've actually yeah, just been yeah, announced. Yeah. You've, you've got a new job at The Guardian. Yes, from January. So, yeah, uh, three months away, but I'm moving there. And, and it's a bit sad because it means I won't be doing Playbook any longer. But we've got two, more, two, two, three more months of Playbook. Yes, I do. And then after past is new. Yeah. Greener. <laughs> Jack would not like that. Um, Jack won't like that. We'll get into Jack later. Um, so uh, on the pod, we you tend to start with just how and why someone got into their job. Mm -hmm. So if you could start, you know, journalism number one, I guess, but particularly the lobby, you know, how, how do you get into the lobby? So, I mean, I was always a politics obsessive, so I guess that's number one. Um, You're in a safe thing. space. Yeah. <laughs> this is always a safe space for, those, for the political nerds out there. Yeah. Yes, uh, definitely a political nerd. Um, so at school, I studied politics at university um, and I always liked writing. So, I mean, I didn't really know, like any sort of teenager, an 18-year-old, uh, I had no real idea, you know, what kind of different jobs were like. But I always thought I wanted to combine those two interests and become a journalist. Um, and genuinely, like, honestly, I just did not know what journalism would involve. But luckily for me, it has ended up being a really, really fun, rewarding job that I, I really love. Um, but yeah, so I, I studied politics at university and then, um, I got a job at a trade magazine that sort of is very specialist. Uh, it's mostly for academic institutions writing about science policy. Um, and I did that for a couple of years, uh, and I was always desperate to get a job in political journalism. I mean, I applied for so many things that I didn't get. Really? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I always say this to people who try, who want to mm. get, it's a very difficult industry, right? Because it's just it's competitive. It's really competitive. So many people want to do it, but there aren't that many jobs going. And particularly in politics, it's probably the most competitive, mm. um, beat is what we say in journalism, most competitive field. Um, but uh, I managed to get onto the scheme, which has unfortunately been discontinued, but it was called the Anthony Howard Award and it, loads of brilliant people came uh, into the lobby through it. So yeah, Lucy Fisher, Henry Jeffman, Patrick Maguire, George Grills, are a few people that I worked uh, at the Times with who were all came in through that same scheme. Mm. Um, so I, yeah, I, I got onto that and that was uh, in the autumn of 2018 um, and I managed to get yeah, get into, into political journalism as a result. Mm. And um, so just to start with, I can't imagine there are many people that would listen to a political podcast and not read Playbook. But, because the Venn diagram would basically be a circle, but if there is, if there does happen to be anyone listening who doesn't subscribe to Playbook, could you give us a run through of what, what is it? What's the purpose of it? You know, what, what's it trying to do? 
So the way I, I always like to describe it to people is um, a kind of Paris newsletter uh, for the Westminster bubble, for SW1, you know, a, a local news service for everybody who lives and works in this community. Because it is a community, you know, it's a workplace, it has... Um, all, it, and it's a bit like a village, actually. People talk about the Westminster Village. Mm. <laughs> it is, yeah. No, it's like it's like the parish newspaper going out, honestly. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's the kind of the way. But it can't be too introverted, though. No, exactly, because then that's the challenge of it as well. You've got to think about it as a both speaking to to the bubble, but it can't be you know too insidery so that people mm. outside it can't understand. Don't understand it. But that's the sell, though. It's you know this is if you're outside it, this. The whole point of reading it is this is what the insiders read. I mean, yeah. that's the whole pitch. That's the sale. Yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. That's and that's political in general is also that is mm. the kind of um, you know it's meant to be for politics obsessives um, as a as a service as a news. As a news I must show. confess, I I am a political obsessive, and I didn't know about Politico or Playbook until I became an MP, and people were telling doing? me about it in the tea room. And I kept saying, what is this thing? And then I'm, I'm still not actually signed up. So apologies. I'll sort that out later today. My staff are who, who tell me what's going on every morning when I get my briefing. We've, Normally we've they're trying to check up. I'm not in there for all the wrong reasons. So uh, after they've gone through Twitter and gone through the hundreds of uh, very kind comments, or X, sorry now, as we should call it, then they come to what Playbook saying. With that process that you have, is not your normal day job. Because you're, as you're saying, you're thinking about the news for tomorrow and it's going out at 7 a.m mm -hmm. what it, what are your working hours yeah i mean this is a question that everybody i i'm always being asked constantly what time do you have to get up to write the email um and i always say uh you know that's what everybody asks i don't have to get up i have to stay up it's it's an overnight shift um so it's a typical day i mean i'd often start with a, a lunch with a contact um that can be really useful. So, you know. Would James Starkey be a contact? Or Jonathan Gallis. <laughs> oh, <laughs> chief, 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 very important. I don't talk to journalists. I just want to get on the record. <laughs> I'd like to point out we've had a podcast so far and you've had three separate journalists on, but we'll, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move yeah, on. As I was saying, I'll go for lunch with the Jonathan Gallis. <laughs> um, and that, so I'll start the workday at lunchtime and do that. And then after that, I'll go and sit in Portcullis House, which is the kind of central point in Parliament where the cafes are and where often people sit and work or have meetings. Um, and I'll, I'll sit there and often people come and chat or grab people who are, you know, uh, wandering around to get a sense of what's going on the next day. And that is the focus. It's very forward looking. It's all about what's happening the following day. It goes out at seven in the morning. Hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll do that. And also I'll speak, you know, I'll message and call people that I know are working on things that are going to be, you know, significant the next day. It might be that the home office is a big announcement. So I'll have to speak to the home office spad, or it might be that there's a big piece of legislation that's going to be really contentious. And I'll, you know, try and speak to some rebels. I'll try and speak to the whips offices. Um, so depending on what's on the agenda, I'll also speak to number 10 and to Keir Starmer's office about what they've got coming up the next day. Do all of that through the afternoon, uh, take a break for dinner. And then in the evening after that, is, that's when the newspapers start publishing their stories that are going into the next day's papers. Um, so I'll start reading, I think the Guardian and the FT usually about the earliest ones that come out with their stories. And then, you know, I'll be Telegraph, Sun, the Mail, uh, the Times, every, every uh, major news, news paper, as well as check the BBC site, check, uh, other kind of digital only outlets as well. Um, and compile everything, all the politics stories, 
um, and basically write the email compiling what they've all got with whatever I've got. When does it become clear what the kind of top main thing is? It really varies. So some some days it'll be really obvious because there's just, we know that something big is happening the next day. Mm. I mean, you know, it could be like by-election results yeah. or um, something more like... Uh, there's a ministerial statement by uh, Rishi Sunak on the Israel-Gaza crisis, and we just know that's going to be the top story. Yeah. Sometimes it's really not that clear. I'm not sure there's a clear story until tomorrow, actually. Okay. Uh, so often then it will be, you'll take your cue a little bit from the papers. So whatever the newspapers are splashing, that gives you a, a sense of what they're interested in, let's mm. say. Um, it, it's, I, I, often I'll try and think about something concrete that's happening. So, you know, it's that can be the best top. So it might be that all the papers are interested in something that's a bit nebulous and that there's nothing happening the next day. So it might not be the best thing for me. Mm. But if there's a kind of ministerial statement on this particular issue, I just know that that's going to be on the news agenda and driving the news because there is a statement. There will be MPs speaking about it. There is, you know. Um, and yeah, I think, I mean, Jet Blanchard, who founded the email, would also always say, you don't just think about what's going to be driving that morning. You think about what's also going to be on the 10 o'clock news and the following night. I mean, now we've got an afternoon version of playbook, so that's changed a little bit, but yeah. still, you know, it's, it's about what's the biggest story going forward. Mm. So yeah, sometimes it, that doesn't become clear quite late. And the kind of core hours of it are writing from like 9 p.m. till 3, 4 a.m. So it's really a kind of an overnight. So if you're writing, baby, you're literally up till 3, 4 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, it, it'd have to be really quiet for you to finish by sort of two. Really? Yeah, yeah. So and very easy to have a social life. <laughs> that's but, why I don't do it five nights a week. Sorry, Jack. I'm like Jack. Is it Jack? Jack Blanchard, by the way, is a, a rival podder, but we'll still, he's a good guy though. And, uh, we can still mention him. In we can room. still mention him. He's not. He's. We've, no, because we're not. We're not pro cancel culture. Hopefully, on this podcast. his 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 co-podder is going to be going on this pod. But with so when Jack started, so Jack obviously started this thing, and it was inspired by what had happened in the US. Well, so he was hired in, to start London Playbook. Um, you know, the UK version of what already existed and was very successful both in the US and Washington DC. So covering the Washington bubble. And in Brussels, uh, there's, there was a Brussels playbook there that's now basically dominating the media scene there. Um, so that he was hired to. It's a newspaper there as well. Yeah. Then you, there's a, I think it's a magazine. Mm. So when it was an advert out, Jack was hired because he was willing to have no personal life <laughs> and basically be a massive political nerd. And yet has still miraculously found someone who's stuck by him through thick and thin. Yeah, I think um, I think he said that his uh, he, when he started it, he had a girlfriend who's since he's married. So yeah, he's she's a keeper. She a is keeper. a keeper, Jack. <laughs> my, I, I definitely would not. Have, my fiance would not be that patient. Yeah, my, my boyfriend would not. I don't think no. if I was doing this five nights a week. And so now that we've gone from Jack solo to there's what three, four. Yeah, so there's there's three people doing the morning uh, email that Jack used to do, um, and. Um, We've got one person doing the afternoon email immediately. Does he often say to you, you've got it easy? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's important to also say, actually, that, you know, because the team's expanded, the, the Conservative Party conference, uh, the team was almost wiped out. In fact, Emilio was the last person standing because the entire team managed to get COVID. We all got COVID. We obviously blame the Tories. So Emilio was told, you know, you do the afternoon shift. Well, congratulations. You're now going to the Labour Party conference to also do the morning shift. To which I'm sure he was really grateful for. <laughs> so we're very lucky to have you actually here today, the, yeah. and the team's recovered in full. But with the um, with the move to the afternoon one, what was? Do you know what the reasoning for behind that was? Is it just 
there's such a demand Westminster a lot of things are changing and moving all the time that now it needs almost that follow-up and maybe reaction to what you guys have done because as you said you said America and particularly Brussels is driven by what Playbook says it's very fair to say that Playbook also sets the morning media around agenda particularly for those interviews about you know what's coming up and what the views are maybe about benches or whatever it may be definitely yeah um exactly so i mean the morning email i mean politico is very good at newsletters generally that's something that they've re- i think managed to really do kind of reinvent almost and do in an in innovative way and mm. um, they the morning playbook newsletter has dominates the kind of morning uh, agenda for sure i guess the th- thinking was we want to make you know we've made the best morning political newsletter let's make the best afternoon uh, political newsletter. And again, this, this exists in Washington, DC. It doesn't exist in Brussels, but in the States, they've got playbook, the morning one, and they've also got playbook PM. So that's, so that's the kind of model for it. But isn't it, um, it's not to get too into like, why is news like, you know, 24 hour news and so on, yeah. but it's the consumption of information, right? Mm. I mean, there was clearly, you know, pre digital, but there was a time when everyone sufficed with a paper, mm. you know, you maybe get a late morning edition. Mm. And now you need a paper and you need an email again in the morning to remind you of things that might have changed overnight. Well, and now we want, now you, cause then you would think, cause I was thinking, oh, why would you have an afternoon one? I guess the reason is cause stuff happens in the day. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, but it's the, the, the demand to com- you know, demand to get, to consume news. It is a sort of internet social media age, right? I mean, mm. I often think that journalists before that had it so easy. You hear these stories about they would go for kind of six hour <laughs> lunch and then sort of you know, drunkenly pick up a phone and... Is there some that still do? (laughs) mean, That's another episode. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I did for another episode. The the BFL. (laughs) Um, But that, you know, that was the way things worked and people just, journalists would just dictate their copy down the phone at, you know, 6pm, whatever, and it was all kind of Mm. much less stressful and much less... You you just didn't need to be kind of uh, switched on and tuned into what was happening all the time. And now... It's just how it is. Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess it's part as part of that. I mean, the afternoon version though, it does a good job of like collecting everything that's happened during the day, particularly because the morning one doesn't really get into that because mm. it's all too far behind you by the 7 a.m. in the morning, uh, the next morning. Um, so I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to be writing. I would never be writing on Tuesday morning about what's happened at 4 p.m. the previous day. It's all meant to be, um, yeah. And so, why don't you talk us through? So, how many, like in a, a day when you're, when you know you're on, you kind of start at midday. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the things you do to get ready for the next day? How many calls do you get, texts, that kind of thing? So, it's, it really varies. Um, and it has changed. It's changed a lot, uh, in the past kind of year or two. It really depends on how much stuff is happening. Um, uh, you know, the kind of political context at that particular time. So, at the moment, it, you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll try it. It's difficult to put a number on it. I'll try and speak to at least kind of a dozen people on the average day, but it could be it could be more than that, or it could be fewer. But it was really, but things have calmed down now in politics compared to where they were. <laughs> I'm still living with those scars. Be careful, 2022. So this time last year is when actually we've just this week we're marking one year of Rishi Sunak in number. Rishiversary, as some people in the lobby are claiming, which <laughs> I, I find repulsive as a term, but. <laughs> Okay, so I won't, I won't be using that. <laughs> um, but yes, it's, that's, you know, we, well, we've got one year of Rishi. That's, that, that was a moment at which things really calmed down because before that we had the kind of brief list trust primary, um, prime ministership. 
uh, we had the various leadership, two Tory leadership contests, the one that, yeah, elected yeah. her and the one that elected Rishi. And o- obviously we also had the kind of fall of Boris Johnson and the months running up to that that were really... So amazing. it is fair to say that whilst it's great for the country got a period of calm and maybe for Conservative MPs own just general mental health, actually for playbook, that kind of drama is just great. Yeah, exactly. Because it's all about politics and personalities. That is the whole, you know, um, reason for the newsletter's being. So the the fact that Downing Street has very consciously wanted to make politics boring in the last year or so isn't great for us. I mean, it is, you know, it's definitely better for the country than what we had before. But 100%, um, it's, it's, it's just makes this job, uh, less interesting because I don't, I no longer have that many MPs kind of, sounding off uh, to me about whatever crazy thing is happening um like plotting to remove i mean there was so much plotting i mean yeah. just remember a year of plot, constant plotting no idea uh, what you mean many, really. how many times i saw because i saw a story that kind of related to this over the weekend when someone calls you up and says i know there's 25 letters in <laughs> how many times do you think that person's been remotely accurate about their prediction it was i think uh, I think there was a there was a story sort of two years before, before like in Boris's first year, saying that there were you know close that the, the letters threshold had been reached, mm. and some but there was a really funny quote from an MP saying, "Well, the story was right; it was just two years too early." <laughs> <laughs> in that sense, maybe just write it, and then yeah. it will eventually end up being true. Right, so we can eventually all become true. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I would. I mean, we definitely would. Just, I think we've learned that there is a huge dose of skepticism um but how do you treat those so say look let's be honest after the by-elections recently mm-hmm. you know there was a bit of there'll be a blame game mm-hmm. and some people will look to blame rich and spin on the results it's been every results. each party trying to push their own narrative on what the results mean but when people try and say to you you know people aren't happy maybe we'll have <laughs> what the country wants is another leadership election <laughs> not sure that's i true. don't not you at don't. all not at all uh, how much do you you know, there's a balance between it's what it's what MPs might be saying. Yeah. So there's a legitimate argument to say this just should be included in playbook. Mm-hmm. But you might yourself think, I don't believe this for a million years. <laughs> that you know, even they're not that crazy. Yeah. So uh, how do you <laughs> how do you get how do you kind of write that? So that's it's a great question. I mean, you the great thing about playbook is you've got the freedom to be a bit like, oh God, I mean, yeah. can we really believe this? Well, nevertheless, here here it is. Um. So you have you can kind of put a bit of commentary in there and make yeah. it funny so you can just say i mean i would just say that yeah you no know, like I, you you don't want to insult whoever is telling you something yeah. like <laughs> so they text you and say oh, come on mate i, was, <laughs> I know for a fact they to mock me but on the other hand you don't want to you know you don't want to put information out there that you kind of have a good reason to suspect it's not really kind mm. of, but and and just present it in that that's not good journalism so you have to try and couch it but but all of these things i mean you might um, depending on who's giving you information, the nature of the information, that will really affect the way that you write it. And yeah, we, we can do this in a fun way. So it's always great. Depending on who. So, cause that's yeah. the other thing is there, there might be people that are more prone to hyperbole. Yes. Let's say. Yeah. Are those, will you, will you treat that, will you treat something from that source accordingly? Definitely. I mean, that's the, that's a big part of the job, like getting to know. Um, getting to know people and what they're like and what, who, who will be giving you, who's likely to be giving you good information, who's likely to, might have some, who's likely to have something maybe, you know, that <laughs> was not, is not as reliable. I mean, part of it is just, 
you know, if, if I've got a backbench MP who is completely out of favor with Downing Street telling me about what Downing Street is planning, yeah. I'm not going to trust, you know. That's, that the chief, be, chief, because I know you're listening, Chief Whip. She's not describing me. I want to make that perfectly clear. <laughs> it sounds like me, but it's not me. It sounds like you. Well, I did get sacked by the Prime Minister. I'm certainly you are not out, part of the inner sanctum. You are out of the loop, that's true. I mean, I, I don't know, but I feel like you're not bringing people up saying this is what Rishi Sunak is going to do tomorrow. As I say, I've always said I don't speak to journalists for a start. You so need to defend him, Eleni. <laughs> I don't speak to journalists because I'm focused on one thing. One thing only is delivering uh, for the people I'm proud to serve. James, on the other hand, James is a former media special advisor who bizarrely also never spoke to the media. Former, uh, a former special media advisor. Uh, you know, I don't know how you went about your day to day without ever talking to a single journalist. We had a great press office. There we go. That's that's all you need. <laughs> you were just directing the troops in in the departments. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious as well. So, you because you came in a few years ago. Obviously, you at the Times first, and we went to Playbook. How do you go about building the relationships that you need to be able to do Playbook daily? Because you you've got a lot of incoming, but you, there must be people you need to call, and you, know, you need to get a relationship going with Kier's office, with uh, Number Ten, et cetera, et cetera. Lib Dems as well, I guess. I mean, this good this job is good for that because it just opens doors in that you're the person writing the email, you know, whoever wants to uh yeah, get their whatever's going on in their uh in Labour or in the Tory party in the government, whatever. Whoever wants to brief stuff has to do it with you. So you're you're the point of contact. So it's been really good for that. And you get access if you're writing this email, you get access to senior people in both parties. Um often you I mean you also find the best thing about it is that you find people who are like particularly obsessed with playbook. They just really? love and then and then they'll yeah, and then like they'll who? proactively Not who, out. but what kind of in well, what way? Some some MPs, um yeah. definitely. In some what stars. Way? They just they, they read they 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 read it religiously and not everybody will read it as religiously as you know, as people just read it. Um and they will looking for their own name. That's the truth. <laughs> Searching for, read it religiously to find where they are. But they they just love they love the product. They love the way it's done, um, and so they they're big fans of it, and so they want to speak to you because and and some you, but there's definitely lots of influential Alini, people. with all the rumors of an of a reshuffle. How many people are going? Oh, I've heard my name is being. Uh, <laughs> I'm being touted. <laughs> yeah, I've got a question because I want to know how, how many do, people shamelessly put themselves in exactly. This how do people put them? Sales forward. How do people say? Let's just be honest about it. How do people shamelessly try and get their how name? How many in people it? have said to you like, "Oh, there's a reasonable coming up. I think I'm going to get." <laughs> I have to say, I, I, I don't think I can't think of a case where I had an MP directly tell okay. me, "I think that's a friend of those." A friend, a friend of. Jonathan, a friend of is the MP. I know, but I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to be polite. Okay. Yeah. Definitely people get their spads to, I mean, I've had that a lot to, you know, to talk them up. And there's a, a, a James Starkey type spad. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. but not, near none of the people that I work for needed talking up. Oh, there we go. They, they were big beasts on there. We own. know how important you are, James. Don't you? Yeah. Right? Or in fact, a good spad will do that proactively, right? They'll, you know, without their boss directly telling them, can you, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I would say... It, I think people think that um, maybe if you've watched the thick of it or something, mm. you know, the ministers are wandering around saying, do this, do that. Like, it's just not what happens. Mm. Mo most of the stuff that you're doing on behalf of your boss, you, you know, and you're not really chatting to them. The only time is when, when you're approached, it's like there's a story and you have to, you know, maybe even put a source quote or a direct quote, fine. Mm. But a lot of it is them saying, I've heard this happen in a meeting and you're trying to check it out and get rid of it or, you know, make just make sure it's accurate. 
Um, and you don't really need to go and chat to your to your boss to do that. Is the truth? Well, there you go. So yeah, there's definitely. Um, you were only ever just tidying things up. Truth. You're making sure there was truth and transparency to all. I'm things. all about the facts. That's mm-hmm. the key thing. <laughs> Unlike the MPs. I'm not. I'm not past comment on that. <laughs> with the obviously with playbook, you've also got the spotted section, which <laughs> makes me laugh. How people are so desperate to obviously get themselves in. What funny stories have you got about people desperately trying to put themselves inside the spotted section? And why is the spotted section so important? Why is it so coveted? Yeah. Why is it so coveted? Why do people want to be in it? I see. This is. I mean, honestly, I kind of think that's probably the hardest part of my job. I just did not realize how. Yeah. How how much of a minefield it could be, or how how important it was. And I think you know part of it is just people love. Um, I don't know. It definitely was this way before I started writing the email, but I would definitely like to see myself in it. Um, I mean that there, there's different levels of it, right? That people do send us lists of who was at their event, mm. um, or who was at at an event where they happen to be. Often these are actually just friends of Facebook, like people who uh, like like the email and are kind of helping us out. Friends um, of again, <laughs> friends of. <laughs> So that's what, and that's, that's great. And we need that because we can't be at everything at the same time. Um, but there's definitely, um, there's definitely also an element of, you know, people being disappointed if they didn't make it in there or that kind of thing. Or like not want, you know, who's been the most disappointed. Um, I, I actually, so I've got a, I've got a, I've got a friend, um, who, (laughs) another friend, another friend, but, um, who, who, who related this story to me kind of months after it happened and I had no idea at the time and it's really embarrassing. But there's, there's, um, a really great, uh, public affairs, um, agency guy who, uh, I, I other, think other last... public affairs agencies and, are yeah, available. Yeah, exactly. Well, name the agency, okay. but I think this was, I think this was a labor conference maybe last year, or the year before. And he was sending me lists of the people who were going to be at this event. And he was so excited. He was telling this friend <laughs> of mine, I'm so excited. I've never been spotted before. I'm going to be in a spot tomorrow. I've set this list. Great. You know, and I, I mean, I was definitely, I was so tired. I was really ill. I mean, I just, there's so much stuff you've got to think about getting in there that I, I definitely often miss stuff out like loads of times as, as anybody, as others have as well. Um, but in this case, I just, I put the list in. I, I didn't put his name in. So he just woke up. He woke up morning. at 7.01. Yeah. No, he's been <laughs> up at 6.50. Waiting. Waiting. Obviously, I read really through. Couldn't find his name. Couldn't like thought must be coming up, but then it was just open up the email. Control F. Typed his name in. Oh no, no results. Does it? Does the story have a happy ending? Has he? Well, now made it in. Yeah, he's definitely made it in several times since. And I, he was so nice. He didn't say anything, and I just heard all of this from this friend of mine who just told me, you know, he told me this months later. Like, do you know that all this happened? And it's just I still bring it up with him all the time because I feel so bad. Um, but yeah. Do you get MPs moaning if they're not being named? Uh, I've never had anybody directly to me say, you know, why wasn't I in there? I mean, I think most people would see that as kind of, I don't know, something that they, that is. I think MPs are shameless enough, so it wouldn't shock yeah. me. But like, because I'm also interested with like, when you get like these rebel causes. Yeah. Within the parliamentary party that I'm in, mm-hmm. uh, there'll always be a jostling for who's kind of leading the rebellion, who's trying to position themselves as sort of like the state's person or the sort of, you know, the leader of people. So that way then you build this power base. 
do you get people kind of coming in and they're kind of listing maybe a couple of names to sort of indicate there's a core group rather than or and try and slip their name in that oh it's so and so so and so oh and I'm myself oh, yeah. that's the classic cover yeah so like they make themselves feel better but they're saying oh I might also be in the room as well the, these two people think this by the way I also agree with him <laughs> and I've been I just happened that's, to have gone to a meeting which yeah. Uh, yeah does that happen a lot I think so yeah definitely I mean people will yes get in touch and because you don't want to be, be contacting journalists to say I'm kind of um, planning a rebellion on this thing and like, it's just it's just you <laughs> that's a, you I think it's probably you Gillis <laughs> I'm, I'm not a rebel I'm not a rebel anyone suggests otherwise that's unfair <laughs> but yeah definitely there is there is, there is that that people will be and we go back to all these leadership contests how do you deal with all that? Because obviously it's a crazy time. We're going through votes day after day. You've got numbers being touted around of we think so-and-so's got this many supporters. They've got this many in the bag. Oh, we think that uh, when the Deems of Harvey dropped out, these many people will transfer their vote to X, Y, and Z. How are you getting through that quickly, that minefield, whilst also having every candidate's team brief you about well, the next day, the message, the debates, you know, of how they're building momentum? What was that like to live through? It was, honestly, I, I, when we had a second leadership contest when this trust resigned, I was delighted for Playbook because it was just, I just had so much fun <laughs> covering the first one. It was definitely the busiest, I, the busiest period that I did in terms of just play, you know. And I, it, it's, it's better than an election almost for the email because an election is obviously the country deciding. Mm. And, you know, both Labour and the Tories will want, are chiefly thinking about putting their message up to the country through newspapers, through broadcasters. A leadership election, I mean, particularly, um, I guess, particularly the Tory one. Yeah, because you're going through the MPs first, right? Yeah, exactly. And we had all those rounds where we, you know, people voting in the 1922 committee room. Um, it was just the kind of theatre of it was amazing. And it was mm. all based in Westminster. It was in Parliament. Um, the way it all happened was just incredible. Um, and it was great for us because it was such a Westminster focused story. And I just remember every campaign would want to speak, would want to get there. Um, material into playbook, you know, whatever their candidate was doing the next day, what, however, you know, they wanted to spin about how the debates have got, uh, you know, had that gone. was like the Brexit wars as well. Yeah. So when I was at, at DEFRA, mm -hmm. it would be probably pretty much the height of the kind of rousing cabinet. You had Checkers, where Boris resigned, you had the Northern Ireland Protocol, that kind of stuff. And playbook was, um, it was, like a massive battleground mm -hmm. for that as well mm. because you had you had the late night votes mm. so obviously to the point earlier there was stuff that was going on after the papers had basically they have, they have to cut off right yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the papers had gone to print right but you could still go and at the time you could still speak to jack at kind of eleven thirty after the, the votes were finishing at like you know 10 11 at night yeah yeah and so there was stuff and then after that you would often have like a meeting of the brexiteers mm. at, in some like random person's office at 11 and so there was all that that was going on and everyone was kind of trying to, everyone was trying to shape what was going on. But I would say honestly as well, everyone was trying, well, I felt a lot of the time was also trying to explain the truth because yeah, you, you get into a feeling that the other side is spinning about X mm -hmm. and you're like, that's not true. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not how it happened. That's not what so-and-so did or said in that meeting. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that happened in playbook. Mm. And this is such a mindful as well when somebody tells you, you know, that's one of the difficult things about the job is presenting things fairly and, mm. you know, always keeping in mind that if one, you know, whoever's giving you that information wants to. Yeah, what, what's their angle? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's exactly th- those kinds of periods and late night stuff is great for us because exactly the papers have already gone to print. And then there's this period where we're really the only ones, the only show in town, the only ones who can, um, write stuff about, um, about what's happened at that particular time. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really good, really good, uh, time. I definitely, I, one, another great thing for us is parties and things where, and dinners where things happen late. Um, mm. So that can be a conference where things, you know, part, uh, the parties and the drink sessions can be part of the story because maybe Rishi Sunak is addressing the 1922 party, for example. Um, one of my favorite ones was... Uh, karaoke. Uh, exactly. Karaoke is like a huge... I mean, when that happens, it's like the whole... I made the big mistake, Alini, of agreeing with Jack Bereton to do the karaoke. He had also lobbied Joe Gideon. Which karaoke is this? This was a concert party conference, uh, two I think, ago, two years ago. It didn't happen this year. And did not. No. And I, I found I, I I allowed him to take me onto stage. He chose the worst song in the world because it actually requires someone to have, you know, a high pitch. What was it? And then I can't even remember I can't even remember it. All I know is I woke up to find that GB News had trailed it. Like, you know, that's sort all of like this conference and there they chose the one karaoke session that was Jack, Joe and I, and I had uh I was really grateful for them playing the clips. Just recorded. Oh yeah, oh yeah. People were recording on their phones. phones. Journalists were there, like loving it, and it was on GB News. So I woke up to find myself having a load of emails going, "You can't sing," which was, you know, I'm grade five singer. I found that really insulting. So grade five singer, grade five singer, mate. GCSE music, grade A. <laughs> Did singing then and violin. So you know, multi talented. Uh, you know, for any budding orchestras looking for people in the future. <laughs> In case, you know, are, you lo- are you looking for a new job? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'll be I mean, my second term as the MP for But if you know, if I can have uh, extra hobbies that mm. I want to fill my all my all this free time, like I've magically found myself, mm. and you know, ready to stand up and you know help out West End amateur theatre in Stoke, whatever it is. And so, uh, with you mentioned earlier that we've got the afternoon one now, the afternoon playbook now. Do you think it will develop in any way in the future? Like there'll be it will change because it's kind of. It's grown a little bit, but then the biggest change has probably been the afternoon one. Yes, definitely. In terms of playbook, I mean, I, um, you know, the, the company more widely has expanded a lot and they've, they've mostly focused on policy specific reporting. So we've got a new energy team, a climate and energy team. Um, and we've got a tech specific team that's done brilliant reporting on the AI summit. So that's been the focus of Politico's expansion, but. Play, in terms of playbook, the big uh, new thing is the afternoon email. I think that the states they might even have political nightly. Yeah, really? So, yeah, that kind of rings a bell. I'm not sure, but like that could be another. I mean, to set up three times a day. I'm not so saying that's not going to happen. You're your parting shot to your colleagues is to say, <laughs> by the way, I've got a suggestion. <laughs> yeah, you should do a third one. <laughs> do a third one. <laughs> Thanks, never <bye>. sleep. Never <laughs> sleep. <laughs> Just like 24 hour political constant coverage, like need nothing else. But do those specialist ones plug in? Because they've the, they've quite good tech coverage. Yes. Uh, trade, trade long been quite yeah, good because I think came out of Brexit a little bit as well. Yeah. Like it, how much do they actually plug into Playbook? They do, especially, I mean, it's you, it's, it's always when the story has kind of got a big political, it, it kind of spills into the political angle. I mean, uh, with trade, the India trade deal. Again, like I and um, uh, Graham from our trade team have done some reporting on that. That's been um, all about Rishi Sunak's um, 
yeah, trying to agree this trade deal with India. Mm. Oh, I was hoping for an exclusive on the pod here. I was, I was hoping Alina was going to tell us the deal's done. You know, we were going to get a pod exclusive. <laughs> well, you know, the, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to find If you hear anything, please let me know. But... <laughs> I don't talk to journalists. So, <laughs> so again, Chief, very important you listening. I don't talk to journalists. Sorry, the Whips office are very fond of this podcast. I'm trying, sorry. <laughs> uh, yes. With the... Um, if, you, if you're a young person, mm. political nerds, like us three here, mm-hmm. you're thinking one day, I want to get into political journalism. Mm-hmm. How easy is it to get into playbook? Do you need to do your journey, but, you know, smaller paper or trade paper, mm. a broadcast, you know, sort of a big national, then you can go in or do you, or are there jobs just with political, you can just pick up and go with it? What's, what's your advice? I, so when I, when I started out, political wasn't, uh, didn't really have a presence in the UK, I think not at all. Maybe they had a quarter. So um, that would have, and you know, if Politico had been around, particularly in the form that it is now at the time, I would have jumped at that chance. So I think definitely, uh, and I get emails from young people um, all the time and I tell them to keep an eye on our job site because Politico is really expanding and investing in the UK. And there's all, there's lots of great jobs coming up. I mean, you can, we've got a brilliant playbook reporter, Noah, who does the bottom half of the email. Um, and he and that is a great entry level job that then gets you straight into political journalism in that you know to in that kind of initial role or you could get a policy job and we've hired um er, lots of early career people for that uh, and it's really good because you get a beat that you get to focus on you get to develop contacts in that area you get to break some stories i mean it's a bit like what i did for a trade magazine but you get to do it at politico which is a big global organization with lots of opportunities for moving on within the company so I think it's a really great um, thing to do. Um, do you think people journal- it's better for young journalists to go down the route you went down initially, working on a trade paper or the local paper, for example? Yeah, so I think that's the second aspect of it is I would definitely, whenever I do events with students, I, I do really strongly recommend anybody who's serious about getting into journalism. And like that's the thing, you've got to persevere. You can't, unless you've got some, you know, really high up, you know, your uncle edits the telegraph or something. Then you, then you, it's hard to get a full-time mm. permanent job. I mean, how are you going to, you, it's very difficult unless you get on one of the trainee schemes. I mean, I didn't get onto any of them. They get hundreds of applicants and only choose a couple. Then it's really, that's how you've got to start either a trade magazine, a trade, um, publication or a local paper. And in my experience, what I did, I think it's such a great thing to do because it gives you the opportunity. Um, to learn how to be a journalist in a kind of smaller environment where you get really kind of basically people holding your hand as you go along, teaching you everything that you need to know. You get to make mistakes in a kind of place where it's not as serious as, you know, if you made a mistake yeah. when you're working, working on the times or something. So, um, it's really, it's really good training. It's, I think it's, I'm definitely a best journalist for it. I definitely think it's something I've learned in particular, like the, the power of building a relationship with my local regional media. Having those kind of conversations and mm. like any MP, sometimes you grumble because you're like, "Oh, my story didn't get in the paper." But then actually having the time to understand that local paper, how many stories they got to cover, trying to bring balance, mm. you know, particularly for where I represent, you know, the Stoke Sentinel as the paper is, it covers quite a lot of MPs. They're all currently conservative, so they've obviously like we've got to give some balance and allow Labour Council or Keir Starmer's team, like we've got to take some of that stuff. So I think it is definitely. I think it's like anything. You should probably work your way up and, and make the mistakes mm-hmm. like anybody want to be mp become a counselor you'll make lots of mistakes you'll learn how politics works and how frustrating it is and how you rely on relationships etc that's definitely the way forward and um to close the pod mm-hmm. 
I would be remiss if I didn't ask on behalf of people listening, how do you, what advice do you have for people that want to get into Playbook? We've got, we've got, we've got our friends in the public affairs teams who are apparently desperate to get into the spotted party list. We've got people trying to get their stories in as well. What, what, what tips do you have? So my top tip <laughs> is a little <laughs> secret line at the bottom of the email saying who's writing the next day's email. And that tells you, and that tells you who you need to pitch. Is that you saying, don't ever text me on my day off because we've already told you <laughs> who's doing the email? Well, you definitely won't or get very don't you far. Dare, or don't you dare share it with anyone else because yeah. I'm, you know, I want the, I want the big scoop. So <laughs> exactly. Um, I, yes, yeah, so it's always best to contact the person direct, right? And then we, we give you that option by telling you who's doing the next day's email. Um, the best thing to do is message or call or, yeah, email that person directly and make your pitch to them because that's always the best way to get into, I think, with anything. Um, and so, yeah, that's the thing to do. And we won't always be able to include whatever it is, but that, that's, that's my advice. Don't be upset, listeners. If you don't make it in, there's always another chance. There's just got to, you know, and of course, if any MPs are listening, we know you shamelessly asked for your name to be put in there and we're calling you out. Look, thank you so much, Alini, for coming, for sharing what Playbook does for the incredible work in terms of it does setting the media agenda, to be quite frank. You know, as an MP, I see it all the time and it certainly is a little help to get an idea of what angle of questions we might face if we're doing any media to get us the time. So look, make sure you do follow and subscribe and sign up to Politico. And at the same time, you can also follow and subscribe Inside Whitehall Podcast, where however you listen to your pod, you just got to click a little button. It will make sure that you get the latest episodes week in, week out. So you can stay up to date with what we've been doing by who we've been talking to and what we're trying to teach you down the line. You can also follow us on X or Twitter at Whitehall Pod UK. So you can comment and tell us what's going on there. But we would also love you to give us a rating, ideally five stars, please, and a review about what it is that you think we could do better, what you like to hear, what you were, uh, what you've enjoyed the most. And also, which one of out of James and I you think really is the biggest talker to the lobby? And uh, we can finally schedule this score once and for all. But thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to Alini and make sure that you follow Inside Whitehall. Thanks for having me. 